episodes now but yeah. like we're doing it we made it we took a break a covid break a covid freaking break it wasn't our fault no blame the vid blame <laughs> blame the rona blame the rona we're following the damn rules we are but now we're back so i'm em i'm d and we are lapteen more pod where we talk about all things taboo with sex death and everything in between and today we have an awesome awesome guest we have nick from vaginismus podcast here with us. So excited. Say Super hello. Excited. Hi. <laughs> Naturally joining us from America. <laughs> and we're so excited. So thankfully due to wonderful technology, we're able to do this. Yeah. So we're so excited. For our second American. For our second American guest. Yes. The first sure. one is married to you. <laughs> so we always start off with a question. So we're introducing you now to our our question. Our question of the day. Take it away. Okay, so um, from running headfirst into a brick wall to running down a slip and slide, how would you describe a typical sexual experience for you with vaginismus? So it kind of feels like when you go on a slip and slide, like you get that running start and you dive in and your arms are out and you're like, you're flying on the ground. You like, it, it kind of feels like you're going on track and then without noticing you all of a sudden veer off to the side and then you're in the dirt, but there's <laughs> yeah. still like a few feet of the slip and slide left. So you're like, Oh, well, I'm still gonna, like, I'm still gonna do it. So then you get back on the slip and slide and you finish, but like the exhilaration is interrupted. Absolutely. Um, and I would say that that's pretty, that's a pretty close metaphor. To exhilaration it. is interrupted. Yeah. Wow. I I'm writing that. that down. Write <laughs> that down. Cause I feel like that's a really good way to describe it. Okay. Yeah. From what I've and learned so far. It's, you know, and because you're aware, I mean, it's not like I don't know I have this condition. It's not like I don't know what's going to happen. So sometimes you either don't go on the slip and slide entirely, or the next time you go on the slip and slide, you try to make that aim a little bit better, even though you kind of can't help it. It's just physics. I wow. Literally. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. That's a great answer. That's a really thanks good. Thanks so much. Uh, what's the word? Metaphor. Metaphor. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so then we're going to start up our questions here. So what is vaginismus? Vaginismus is a sexual disorder um, where your vaginal walls or your pelvic floor muscles will contract at any physical feeling of anything being inserted, therefore preventing anything from being able to go inside from, you know, people with this condition will practice with dilators or as small as Q-tips. So some people can't get a Q-tip in. Uh, any tampons, penises, dildos, any other sex toys, like what are the body wants? I don't even know sex toys. Do body wants go inside you? Is that a thing? Like I, uh, I not mean, really. But if, you, if you really push. If you wanted it. <laughs> if you wanted it to go inside you, it would go inside you. <laughs> I mean, I don't have vaginismus and I'd have to give it a real solid push. <laughs> not for me. Definitely not for you. No. Oh. Okay. And how does it affect, in your opinion, how does it affect people who have vaginas? In my opinion, in a lot more ways than one, especially when 
you're young enough to kind of know like something's not right. Um, a lot of people, I never felt, I don't know if this is technically a synonym. I never felt like my vagina was broken. I just felt like it didn't work. And when I'm so young and I'm not really, I, you know, I, the first time I tried to have sex, I was 16 and it just wouldn't work. Like it just wouldn't go in. And I was like, really sorry, dude. Like it's not happening. And and it's not even like, I mean, this was the only other serious relationship I had had as serious as 16 year olds can get. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, Yeah. But he was he has always been such a close friend of mine. He was very sweet. He was very patient and ultimately ended up not really caring that we couldn't actually have penetrative sex. So it's not even like I was in an uncomfortable environment. And when this kept happening, you know, there was another very long story um, about how I had a different friend who used my body to kind of confirm that he was gay, um, which definitely didn't help. And I was like, wow. So like, I can't turn guys on. Even if I could, I can't really take them. And so part of me was like, maybe I'm gay. Like maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I like girls or maybe I'm asexual. I'm not, I'm bi, but like, you know, and it's, and at the time I was also like, well, even if I am like, there's nothing wrong with either of those things. So I kind of just didn't care. And I didn't think to it. And I think it affects, you know, how you see yourself. It affects your developing sexuality. Um, and then it comes to the fact that, you know, I haven't been single in almost four years, but I feel like if I were, I'm definitely like, I like to put myself out there. I love to flirt. Like I love knowing people and, you know, I'm a very promiscuous person, drunk or not. So I feel like, you know, you know, I, I feel like it would have definitely inhibited part of my personality. And again, not that that applies now because I'm in a wonderful loving relationship, but then, you know, in the other or in the same light, then it affects my sex life with the, the man I'm with now. Um, it just, it has a lot of effect in more ways than just sexual, because I mean, as anybody who identifies as a woman and having a vagina and, and being feminine and femininity, like it kind of feels like you're missing that piece. Um, I do know that I was starting to explore, like, again, I was young and very uneducated and I was like asexual, maybe that also means I'm gender fluid. You know, those two things obviously do not have to be related, but I thought that they were. And I was like, well, I mean, if I can't have you know, sex, or I can't do a lot of sexual things, like, I wonder if I should just, like, because, you know, I'm a woman, and, like, you know, I'm a girl, and, like, I feel like I always have to make myself make sure that I don't look like I always want to have sex, and not that I do or don't, and I was like, what if I just start dressing like a boy? I, for me, personally, it was a phase, because I was trying to figure myself out, um, so my phase was, like, maybe I am gender fluid, or, like, maybe I, I just, I don't feel like I have a gender, because if I'm not a woman, and then it's not a problem if I can't have sex, even though that's, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there was a lot that went into it, especially being so young. Um, I, you know, I can't speak to how women who are already fully developed, like well into their twenties or thirties, like I can't speak to how those people feel um, or people who are transgender, for example, cause I'm cisgender. So I have no, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it that I don't think people realize goes definitely beyond intimacy and with myself, because here's the confusing part. I can finger myself fine. I can get all the way up there, but only, only with my fingers and that's it. Nothing else, nothing external. No, I mean, I've never tried any other sex toys because like, I feel like if I can't get a penis in, how would a sex toy work? Fair. So it, it was weird because you would also think like, that means that I just don't masturbate, but like, that's not true. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so it all, but then it made me feel like, well, then should I even be doing that? So then it made me question my relationship with intimacy with myself. Um forever like for a really long time it still does you know now that I have a name for it and that I've actually my gynecologist was like no like this sounds like what it is um that's a, there's a lot of ways <laughs> no that's but there's that's a great. lot of ways it honestly sounds like yeah it basically has impacted almost 
almost every aspect of your life, like mm-hmm. relationships, yep. your self-image, you know, your potentially your sexuality and your um, gender identity, and it's just kind of made you question everything. Yeah, absolutely. so that's really hard. Yeah, that's hard. Definitely hard. made it a little difficult, and it's weird because even going through all these motions, I was like, it's no big deal. Like, what does it matter? And then I got into a relationship with someone who was like you should fucking respect yourself. I was like, and like, then it kind of became like, wow, like you're right. Like this, this is a condition. Like this is something that I need to take care of. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's that's good. a like, thank you for all of that. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah you've yeah. come, uh, come a long way for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, would you say that vaginismus is an anxiety related disorder or, um, condition? Um, for me, I think it is, um, for myself, I know it is. And I think that for other people, I personally cannot say that every single person who has vaginismus has been through sexual trauma, has been through any kind of abuse, um, has been through, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe somebody has never been abused or traumatized or anything like that, but maybe they're going through figuring out that they're transgender and maybe that could be a part of it. You know, it kind of makes me think about, I wonder if those who are born with um, female genitalia, but identify as a boy, like maybe nothing would be able to go up there because their bodies listening to their brain and saying no that's not supposed to happen so like i wonder if that might be a component too i don't know from what i google and what webmd tells me and what (laughs) Mayo clinic tells me like (laughs) um you know it's a lot says because the the definition of it is that it's physical not contractions like physical like i don't know is contraction the right word your muscles like spasm spasms yeah yeah they, they clench and they close and they spasm and it says possibly linked to psychological anxiety Um, and you know, I also don't know what it would be like to experience that without it because I have been diagnosed with multiple types of anxiety disorders when I was, that was the summer I turned 18, 17 or 18. And you know, I've talked with my therapist about this. I've had a therapist for 12 years. I love her to death. I've talked with my therapist about this and my gynecologist and it just in my personal experience, because I did go through sexual abuse and the youngest I was, I was four. And so I know that like, for me personally, I have a very, I mean, there's no way anxiety is not related to it for me. And I'm sure. And the other thing too, is that maybe it doesn't start out that way for some people, but then figuring out you have that condition causes anxiety and then that anxiety enhances the disorder and then it just ricochets. And you're in like a loop. Yeah. 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 That's a big thing we said that, um, I don't know, uh, what you guys had studied in school or what you are studying in school, but for psychology, there's actually a whole unit about, um, in phys, in our physio physiological psychology class about, you know, stress and, and how it's linked to the body. And, you know, it can go back and forth. Like if you break your ankle, that has nothing to do with the fact that you're stressed out, but now your broken ankle will stress you out. And the stress is going to enhance pain because of chemicals and hormones that stress will send out throughout your body. And so, you know, that's definitely related to any kind of, um, sexual conditions that anybody goes through. That's really interesting. That is really cool. I've already learned so much. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Are you able to dispel some common myths or misconceptions about vaginismus? People who have vaginismus don't like to be sexual, which is false because, you know, how people think that penetrative sex is the only thing we can do to feel good. I don't know how that's, I don't know, because obviously it's not, you know, there's a lot of people that if there's also mis- myths and misconceptions against ourselves where we do feel like our vaginas are broken or we do feel like we're not meant to have sex. We feel like we're not meant to, you know, I personally, I don't follow, um, I'm not big on religion, um, but I know that posts from people who are religious are saying like, well, this is not the path that God intended for me to go on when like, maybe that's not true. You know, I don't know. Again, I don't know how uh, much religion 
would influence these kinds of things, but I've definitely seen other people posting about it. Um, but our vaginas are fine. We have a psychological condition and a physical condition, like, you know, and yes, we don't get horny. Yes, we get turned on. And yes, we can still have orgasms. Like, that's still a thing. Like, I also think that just being in the position I'm in, sometimes I assume that other people assume things. Okay. When maybe they're not even thinking about it. Like, you know how we kind of think, like, when we're in high school and we think, like, everybody thinks this of me when, like, nobody's probably fucking thinking about me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I feel like some people are like that with, um, at least I know I am with vaginismus. I can't speak for anybody but myself, obviously. But sometimes I'll be like, wow, like, if I, if I stop being anonymous about this, like, what are people going to think of me, you know, and judge my relationship without knowing anything? Like, it's a very big component to who I am. And I think the other thing is, like, it's something that I go through, not something that I am. And I think that some people see others with vaginismus and think, like, oh, that's, like, a non-sex category. Like, we're placed in, like, categories of, like, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this or that's weird or, oh, like, let's just, like, not to Like, taboo, like you said, you know? Yeah. Okay. So, um, are you willing to speak a little on your vaginismus diagnosis and how did it affect your mental health when you were diagnosed? So there's actually, um, there's actually a bit to this, um, and it does get pretty heavy. So for those listening, trigger warning, if you know, you have dealt with sexual abuse, sexual assault, especially from family members, just putting that out there, because I know that I don't want to spring that on anybody. Like I said, when I was growing up through high school, I didn't think anything needed to be diagnosed. I just simply thought, oh, okay, whatever. It's not a thing for me. It's not a big deal. A few years ago, I messed up something with birth control. Um, the birth control that I take and I got my period and I was bleeding like every day for a month and it wasn't like excessive and it, but it was like more than spotting. And I was like, okay. And I didn't think some stupid, I like didn't think that it had anything to do with the birth control. And I was like, this is weird. I should go get checked. <laughs> and I didn't know what a pap smear was. My gynecologist who I had not really met before. I'm sorry. There's like so much to this. That's okay. Take your time. Yeah, take your time. This was, this was a new gynecologist. So not only did I not know what a pap smear was, I didn't know her, but she's very nice. I like her a lot. And I switched gynecologists because the one previous was very dismissive of my anxiety, very rude and very snippy. Maybe she was having a bad day, but I was like, I don't care if you're having a bad day. This is my vagina. Like what? (laughs) Like very invasive procedures. Right. So I'm getting a pap smear. Every time I had gone, I would always end up crying. I just couldn't. And I never knew why. I was like, why am I so upset? Like, I didn't understand what was going on. I was like, I don't know why this is so sensitive for me. And so when I was getting the pap smear, she was explaining what had to happen. And I was like, I I don't think you can do that. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I I mean, my body is not going to let you do that. Like, I don't mind if you do it. But my legs are like, she had to like keep her elbows like on my knees. And I was trying so hard not to like push my legs in. And my friend was with me. I always have someone come with me. When my friend was with me, I was like, I was sobbing. And I felt so guilty because I didn't want my gynecologist to think that it was like her fault. And so I kept saying like, I'm so sorry. Like this really, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with what you're doing. Like this is just my reaction. And so my friend's like holding my hand. And I sat up after everything was done. And that was when she was like, how active are you? And I was like, well, I, I can't really have sex. Like I don't use tampons. And finally a doctor had said the word without me saying, do I have this? And you know how that's different? Like when you ask and say, I think I have vaginismus, it's different than when you don't say it at all. And they say it first. And yeah. she was like, it sounds like you have vaginismus. And all of a sudden I just felt like a weight lifted. I was like, okay. So like somebody else said it, like there's a name for this. I have it now. Personally, I wanted to understand why I had this. Like, I was like, but like, why? Like, I don't get it. Like, 
I love being sexual. Like, I love being intimate. Like, I'm a very lovey person with anyone. So, you know, it didn't make sense. I was like, how come my body isn't agreeing with me? Like, it didn't make any sense to me. So about another year or two went by. And my dad had gotten out of prison for nothing related to me, even though he should be or should have been. And for whatever stupid reason, I decided to meet up with him. I hadn't seen him in maybe like four years. I visited him in prison once. So I hadn't seen him in about four years. And I had known that he had been sexually inappropriate with me. But a lot of um, repressed memories that I had, I completely blocked out and forgotten. After I saw him that day, like six hours later around midnight, I was on the phone. Alexa, stop. So you met up with your dad for food, right? Okay. So I met up with my dad um, for lunch and about like six, eight hours later or something like that, I was on the phone with a friend and I had known this friend for a few years, but she was still kind of a newer friend compared to everybody else in my life who had been with me through a lot of these things. And I started to explain to her like what my dad had done to me at some points. Like he used to like rip down the shower curtain and yell at me when I was for the stupidest fucking things. Like one time I forgot to turn like the fan on and I like, I don't know. I don't know why. Or he would do things like, you know, when he got an apartment, when my parents got divorced, I was 10. And he said that, like, I had to sleep in the same bed as him. And I used to tell my mom, like, what if I get my period and, like, bleed everywhere? Like, I don't want to do that. And my dad was like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care. And I was like, okay. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, he's my father. Like, I, you, you know, follow his lead, right? Um, like, that's your parent. So, right. Yeah. So, you know, he would do stuff like there was a pool in the complex. And he would do stuff like I had to, like, he never... That I remember so far still, I had to change in his bedroom with him, like, in front of the door. From what I remember, there was never any kind of cameras. There was no, he didn't touch me when I was changing. I just, like, had to change the same room. And so I was telling my friend all this, and I was saying it like I am now. Like, it's just, oh, well, it was, like, this kind of thing. And, like, obviously that's a big fucking deal. Like, but when I tell you it doesn't feel like it was for me, like, that's just how I felt about it. And my friend was, like what are you like what are you talking about like this is sexual abuse and I'm like it is I'm like I just thought it was like weird I just thought it was like inappropriate and she's like no and like she's like no and why do you sound so calm about this like have you ever gotten upset about this ever and I was like I I don't and I didn't I've never gotten upset about it until the last year not once I was like oh it's just like gross and weird but like I never considered it to be violating until I was told that I was violated which I think is bizarre that I have to be told <laughs> that that was not a good thing. My, I had just started to tell my mom and my stepdad years ago, but my mom was kind of just like, oh, that's really unfortunate, and, like, went back to washing dishes. Like, she didn't really react, and I'm like, oh, like, maybe... And I'm a dramatic person, and I've always been dramatic, and so I was kind of figuring, oh, like, maybe I'm just, like, blowing things out of proportion, and I had explained to my friend, like, I always had this dream. I had three sets of dreams about my father forcing himself on me, my father kissing me, and my father touching me inappropriately. And the kissing and the forcing himself on me would happen, in the dreams, would happen in different random locations. But the touching me would always flash, it was a flashback to the apartment and in bed and him touching me. And my friend was like, I think your body's trying to tell you something like, no wonder you have vaginismus. And all of a sudden it was just like, it was just like a lot of stuff came back and I was like, holy, oh my God. 
And I do consider that to be a big part of my diagnosis because I was like, well, there it is. Like, that's why. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I don't want to put it out there that like you have to have a reason why it doesn't have to be as intense or not as intense as my experience. Like anything is valid in this. But in my, my, my body was like, no, like something's wrong. Like this is like, you have this for a reason. Like that was what my, my vagina was telling me. It's what my, my gut was telling me. And so I do consider that to be part of my diagnosis because everything just kind of fell into place and it made me like a lot more aware of my body, I think. So like, you know, it went from, oh, I just can't do this compared to like, now I can be very aware of like, okay, how, what are my vaginal walls doing? Um, just kind of having that circle complete. So it was more than just my doctor saying you have this. So that's, you know, the biggest part of my diagnosis is realizing, wow, I was abused by my father sexually when I was little. And then all these different things that started when I was four up until I was 12 kind of just started popping in my head. And they still do. Like, I'm still very afraid that I don't remember everything. And that sometimes I'll just like, oh, that also happened. Okay, I have to like go somewhere now because like that's how repressed memories fucking work. But yeah, so that was the diagnosis. (laughs) So do you now speak to somebody about this? Because that's huge and heavy. And for anyone that's listening, that is 100% sexual abuse and you should 100% talk to somebody. So do you have like a circle? Do you have people? Do you have, you said you have a counselor? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it was really weird that um, I do, I mean, I told my therapist right away. Family trees can be very uh, branchy and sporadic. <laughs> my ex-stepmother, who I am very close with I love her to pieces and she treats me like a daughter she's also the mother of my half brother so I'm close with them like I so uh so I called stepmom and I was like I need to tell you this before I convince myself it's not true so I started so I told her everything and she believes me called my mom I tell like I told my family members right away um I told my stepmom I told my mother I told my brother in person as well i i think my brother was the only no and then i told my uncle who is my father's brother who also doesn't talk to him uh because my dad's a shithead so you know my uncle and i are also very close like and i told him uh so i have a very supportive family but i have the best friends i could ever possibly have and i trust them with everything and so it was kind of a week-long process i think to kind of get it all out there like Um, I told all of my close friends and I was like, I know we're in a pandemic and it's totally fine if like, I can't come to visit you, but there's something I want to talk to you about in person first and foremost. So we would do, you know, the masks, the distance, being outside, everybody I told, except my boyfriend obviously, uh, was outside and I had to keep saying it. And while it was happening, while the abuse was going on, I would ask my father about it and he would gaslight me and tell me why would you think that? Do you want it to happen? Like, why are you thinking about those things? Like, that's so disgusting. Like, how could you accuse me of blah, blah. So I kind of grew up thinking I'm making up my own trauma. Nothing happened to me. And I'm like, I'm fucked up for no reason. So yeah, I mean, I definitely think like, there's a lot of people who a will gaslight themselves without realizing it. And like, you know, sometimes I wonder, and there's might be some things that I'll never know was one of these memories, just a dream or did this actually happen to me when I was five? And my boyfriend made a good point of like, does it matter? Obviously you were that scared and obviously some of the things had to have happened and you feel violated and you were violated. And I think that some people will talk themselves out of therapy 
But I believe that even if you haven't been through trauma, the whole fucking world needs therapy. So <laughs> I talk to my Preach. Preach. <laughs> that is so true. Everyone I needs therapy. You on. Like, I, I do think that everybody needs guidance and there's no shame in that. And there's even less shame in, in getting help when things like this happen. Like, nobody can process this by themselves. You need a professional to help you. Nobody, first of all, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing in general. And second of all, nobody knows how to handle these things. Like, I certainly don't. I still don't. Like, there are still days where I'm like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, why am I upset about it? When that's, like, not good. <laughs> like, you know, so, yeah, if you if help is available to you or you have friends and, you know, you should protect yourself. Like, if you tell someone and they start questioning you, stop right away. Do not talk. Like, I'm not, not saying come out Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But don't talk to them about those things. You know, one of my family members who I ended up telling was in shock. And so their immediate reaction was like, are you sure? But they weren't, like, pressing and questioning me in the way that was, like, interrogating, interrogative. They were like, like, how can, you know, how can you trust, trust a member? Like, they didn't want to believe it. And I was like, okay. And I didn't take it personally because it's not, you know, it's not their fault. Like, it's no, it's nobody's fault but this fuckhead who did it to me. And so when my family member was, like, asking if I'm sure, I was like, yeah. And then I just kind of slowly, like, All right, I'm just going to keep that boundary and I'm not going to talk to them about it because that's not good for me. And you know, if they need to, and then they see their own therapist as well. My whole family, like we all see therapists. Like it's great. Like good. Awesome. that's good. That's good. Everyone. Yeah. Like you're Everybody totally needs right. one. Everyone needs one. Yep. For sure. So, you know, definitely. Um, I do have support. I do have help. Um, and I don't think that's something I'll ever back away from because I, you know, I'm independent, but being independent doesn't and shouldn't equate to, I don't need anybody to help me. No, definitely if, you know, anybody listening has been through these kinds of things, like help is available to you. And that's part of why I made this page too, because I feel like it's so interesting to me that like, I've had people message me who are, you know, in their teens trying to figure this out. And then I've had people who are 40 years old and married and being like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And I like that. Like, I like that I can kind of be a resource for that, but people have to remember like, Instagram isn't everything. Finding a platform where you relate to a quote that's been reposted is not getting help. Yeah, that's yeah, a really yeah, good that's point, <laughs> actually. Also, you just called me out on all my shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Way to go. I'll just remember that tonight while I'm crying myself to sleep. <laughs> but no, you're totally right. And I'm so glad that you have um, some support and all, like a good you know network of people and that you are believed. And we know that's not always the case with people. So I'm glad that you have that. I'm sorry that happened to you, but I'm really glad you have that. And thank you for being so open and honest about your experience and whatnot, too. Like, that yeah, is... For sure. That's takes huge. a lot of guts. And you will there's, inspire more people to do that, right? I hope so. There's, you know, there's a page on Instagram um, called Why I Didn't Report. And I actually, I posted about, I put my, I mean, I, because I, I don't... I, I, I don't feel the need for me personally to keep anything to myself if I'm asked. And why I didn't report is a page where people can, they can stay anonymous and they hide their faces. If you guys take, take a look at their page, they write down their sexual abuse experience, who it was and whatever. And there was one girl who posted, it was her father. And I was like, oh my God. And then I looked at all these comments that said like, you helped me so much. And like, I want to do that. Like, I want to help. Like, I'm studying psychology because I'm going to be in, I, I want my master's in clinical mental health counseling. And I want to help people and I want to do that. And so seeing that girl post that it was her father, I was like, okay, why don't I do that? And so I did it. And um, there were, I can't tell you how many messages I got saying like, thank you so much. Like this happened to me too. And it was also my father. And like, I had people telling me like, 
I didn't want to speak out about it, but now that you did, I want to. And I was like, good, because that other girl also made me want to do it. But yeah, that's a very, that's a really good page. And like, even if you do decide to stay anonymous, like it's such a supportive platform for people who have gone through sexual abuse and sexual assault and all of the above, you know, um, that's a really good page uh, for people to follow for, again, anybody listening, I highly recommend going over there. Just even if, you know, that's not something you've ever experienced, like even just to show your support, like people are very brave, like speaking up about those things. And I think it's important. And I think the more people talk about it, the less likely it is to happen. I think that a lot of sexual abuse occurs because people think they won't speak up about it. They'll be embarrassed. So. Yeah. I'm fucking not. (laughs) That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. That's great. And we'll definitely look up that that resource and share the fuck out of it. Hell yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So if it's okay with you, we'll move on to a few other questions Questions. that I think some people um, might have. Do you find that anxiety during foreplay or sex can trigger your vaginismus? And do you have a way to keep yourself calm when you're having sexual play with your partner? Okay, so the first part of that question was, do I have anxiety from from foreplay? Um, Not anymore. I definitely used to. And I think that being with someone who is so patient and understanding... um, definitely helps. Uh, I used to get anxiety because I think I used to get anxiety before we had a more established sex life because I'm like, what does he expect from me? But at the, but at the same time, like we would stop and be like, Hey, what are we, what is this going to lead to? What are you okay with? And what are you not okay with? Like we would make sure that before we did anything sexual that we could talk about it without being sexual. Um, which I think is a very important, whether you're talking about foreplay, sex, whatever it might be. Like if you can't talk about those things, not in an intimate setting, I don't think you're ready for them because that can create anxiety and that can create mixed signals, which is not good vaginismus or not. And so because I was, I was very upfront with him, we did start to get a little more serious in the bedroom, so to speak. I was like, listen, like I can't have sex. Nothing can go inside of me. And he was like, okay, we'll work with it. And I was like, great. (laughs) Cool. So So just knowing that he is very accepting and very patient, um, you know, definitely lessens the anxiety and it used to be like, I mean, sex is not seamless. It's clunky and it's, you take breaks and sometimes you talk and sometimes you laugh. And so, you know, there would be times where we're really getting into it, but this is definitely a bump that I do feel anxious about. Like if we're going to try to have sex, we have to like stop and like get in a position the same one every time. Um, and then try knowing that it might not work. Um, but that doesn't really come from foreplay because sometimes, and we'll ask each other in the moment, like, Hey, can we do oral? Hey, can I touch myself? Hey, can I touch you? Hey, can we try sex? Like we'll ask in the middle of us doing stuff because communication is a big part of sex in the first place. Like you shouldn't be doing everything. You shouldn't be doing everything without talking once. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you do like, okay, if that's your consent, great. But I feel like most, I don't know. I feel like for us, at least I can't speak to most people, but for us, we, we ask each other. So even during foreplay, we'll just make sure like, we'll also ask like, Hey, what time is it? Do we have time? Is this a quickie? Like, we'll say stuff like that, you know? Um, and what was the second part of the question? Um, it was, where are we? Oh, God. Um, how do you have a way to keep yourself calm when you find, when you feel like um, your vaginismus symptoms are, like, coming on really strong? Or you feel no. like, like, they're the times where it goes from you being, like, okay and, like, feeling, like, loosey-goosey and then it just yeah. kind of hits out of nowhere? Okay. Yes, actually. And that has come a long way since, especially since being diagnosed with it. I don't think I've necessarily, being totally honest, I don't think I found a way or a method of of soothing my anxiety with that. But I remind myself, I don't have to have sex. 
with anybody. I don't have to have sex. I don't have to have sex to be worthy. I don't have to have sex to be loved. And so just knowing that it's something that I don't have to do already makes me feel better. I'm like, you know, and that's actually that that's how I got my tampon in the very first time, because every single time I would go to put in a tampon, it was like, I have to do this. And then over the summer last year, I was going on a swim before surgery, my last one. Um, And I was like, you know what? And normally, I don't fucking care how gross this is. I would just go in with a pad on. Like, I don't fucking care. Like, I like, do it. Stops do it. Whatever. And when you get out of the pool, you just run to the bathroom and you have a backup hand. <laughs> so, like, I had a method. Da- I had it down. I've had it down since seventh grade. So I was like, you know what? I'll try it. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, whatever. And all of a sudden, it just went right in. And my friend, I'm not even kidding. This is, she's my best friend was with me in the bathroom while I was putting the tampon in. And I was like, what do I do? And she's like, try to like stick it from like behind you. Almost like it's going in your butthole, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, she was with me the whole time. And I looked at her and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's in. And like, I was freaking out. I was like, I can feel it and I don't miss. I don't know how to feel. And she was like, yeah, you got a tampon in. Back, you know, wrapping it back related to sex, you know, I try to work towards that of reminding myself, like, he still loves you. Like, you know, I think love, obviously, I think love should branch out way beyond being able to have sex or being sexual. Like, and reminding myself that it doesn't have to happen today. It doesn't have to happen in 20 years. Um, and, you know, I think that intimacy, um, obviously, is a huge component to relationships, in my opinion. Uh, and I think it's also, I also try to be very like mindful and aware of like, what is it? Like, just like how my body's feeling. Like I'm very tactile. And so if he's, you know, if he's trying to go inside of me or if we're planning on doing that, I'll kind of make my brain pay attention to my pelvic floor and be like, what is it doing right now? And I started to notice, oh my God, it's moving and I'm not moving it. Like what are those things that people who are giving birth kegels or whatever like you like you practice moving them or something mm-hmm. and I, it'll just do it and i'm like i what so like i don't know you've ever had a muscle spasm where your muscle just like twitches or whatever like that's exactly what happens it's okay. not a rapid twitching it's oh. more of like a squeeze like a contract like a and like, then a, like i'm picturing a snake wrapping itself around its prey a little like bit a, yes, <laughs> like, just like that um or like quicksand and then the harder i try to make it stop the worse it's gonna get so i just have to be like all right it's tight and then the second i just accept it for what it is all of a sudden it kind of gets looser okay um, we have not gotten to the point where i can do that as he's because it's a very tricky thing to do with another person simply because like I mean, I don't want to be focusing on that the whole time. Like, I want yeah. to be able to give him love and kiss him and not be like, okay, let me concentrate on this right now. <laughs> well, you want to have which, fun, too, right? So Yeah, which is why dilators are a thing. You know, that's why dilators exist, I think. Um, so, you know, for people who are practicing with dilators, I have not gotten to that point yet. I'm too scared to order them. I don't know why. I just am. But for people who do have dilators um, and who are trying to get past that mental block, that could be something that you could practice with is just thinking, like, doesn't have to go in today. It doesn't have to go in tomorrow. It doesn't have to go in whenever. Like it will happen if it happens, and you deserve to love yourself even if it doesn't. Like, oh no, you can't fuck something. Like I, yeah. like, I don't know. Like it's like, <laughs> like I mean, it's hard for me to be so serious about it one thousand percent of the time. When sometimes it's just like, wow, I really now I just have one less resource for my fucking period blood. Like I just have to like make it a joke because otherwise I get too sad about it. 
even though it is a serious thing, but that's something that I can kind of try to tell myself is just pay attention to how I'm feeling and respect it. The okay. reason that I'm having those signals is because my body's trying to protect me, not because my body's trying to harm me. My body doesn't understand what's okay and what's not okay yet. So that's something that I would do. That's that. awesome. Oh, yeah. that's so good. I love it. You've like, you're like a star. Like, you're, like a star. <laughs> you're like a star in my sky now. Oh, like, so nice. I just feel like you speak so eloquently about it and like I just yeah you're just like an you're an inspiration um okay I also just had this thought period panties for the pool could you just wear those in the pool (gasps) like those thanks panties like yeah wait repeat repeat it like period panties like Like, could you just wear those in a pool I never knew those were a thing until this past year want to know why because I didn't fucking bother to research anything about vaginas ever so I didn't know I was actually going to mention to you guys it's called the woman eco store or the eco woman i think it is they're called the eco woman store okay and I this on my page um but it's like a reusable pad oh, no. and oh. um so there's reusable pads and you can wash them and i have heard of the things underwear but well, there's like a million they, different oh, brands yeah. i there's just so found many. one um it's called uh like cup she and there's like yeah, a whole yeah. bunch and i yeah i was gonna order them but they were american and it was really expensive um, i was just gonna say that like i don't have 40 dollars to spend on a pair of fucking panties like i really don't like i'd mm-hmm. rather go to forever 21 and spend three dollars on a thong thank you yeah. so i just like and right. then you know yeah, but I think that, you know, if there comes a time, like, I think that could be, like, an investment for people, like, yeah, to wear 100%. in the, the pool, that sort of thing, so you don't have to worry about, because I've seen people jump in a pool, and the pad is floating, <laughs> and I'm like, that's... Well, luckily, that's never happened to me. I always, I, and you know, it's weird, because, like, I don't know, maybe it's because I've never gone in the ocean with a... No, that's a lie. I did do that. No, I didn't. I took the pad off, because I had a black bikini bottom. Uh, <laughs> um... I don't know. I've never seen, I've personally never seen that happen and it's never happened to me, but I also don't jump it. So maybe it's because maybe it's because you're not jumping. Yeah. Because you like <laughs> waiting in. I like waiting. Yeah, I wait. So like, I don't know. It's never happened to me. And then I'm very conscious of it. Then I'm very like, okay, I gotta make Your sure. Your legs are, like, yeah. You're like, like, oh, like, let it go. <laughs> Keep it in the pants. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks. Um, so I have a few kind of questions and this is more open-ended. Like, can you describe, um, what works for you in sex and what has worked for you so far with menstrual products? Uh, anything external. Um, okay. a lot of, what is it? Clitoral play? I don't know. There you go. Clitoral <laughs> stimulation. Yes. Stimulation. Um, anything outside feels good. I fucking love grinding and humping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly, I mean, I just use pads mostly. Um, also, okay, now I have a question. Do tampons make your cramps worse? If you're having pelvic floor contractions, I imagine okay. it would. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Because yeah. any, you know, the 10 whole times I've used a tampon, I've been like, oh, my God, this is worse. Now I don't even care if it's because I have vaginismus. This just fucking hurts. Like, yeah, well, like and I imagine if your body's like, reject, reject, I reject, abortion. It's like, it's like pushing it back out. Yeah. Literally. But, um, yeah, no, I just use pads. I use liners. Um, the only time I will ever wear jeans is when I'm on my period because I the leggings I have, like, frame my nice little ass. So I make sure that I wear jeans when I have granny panties on with, um, that I also definitely have bought the, um, so the, the pad that I use or the pads that I use, um, are not just liners because I just have a very heavy flow. 
awesome. So I use, um, you know, just the regular, like, regular size, and they're, like, the, the third one. See, I don't even know. They're, like, kind of large. But at night like time, I ones? bought... Yeah, the like long ones. Like a maxi pad, basically. At nighttime, this is such an extensive process, <laughs> but this is how much vaginismus is a bitch to take care of. So I have bought the pads um, that go from, like, the very, very, like, front of your mom's pubis or whatever all the way back up the booty hole, and I have to cut the back of them off so they'll fit in my underwear, and I sleep in a fucking diaper because that's just, like, that's what I do, and it works. I'm like, it's better than constantly having, like, little blood stains on yeah. my favorite underpants, and it's better than, like, fancy getting anything, and it's easier than trying to maneuver around a tampon. Yeah, 100%. Um, so that's what it is for periods. I just use pads, and I have different methods of using them, I guess. And as far as sex is concerned, um, oral is always, you know, one of my favorites. Um, and we both enjoy it. Like, we both enjoy giving and receiving. So oral is definitely a big component to my sex life. Um, is there a position a that works a bit better? You know, this is actually, I forget where I had this discussion. Um, some, somewhere in a comment section on Instagram. Or maybe it was Facebook. Um, so it's harder if I'm on the bottom. Okay. Because I can't, you know, control how fast or slow, um, you know, my boyfriend is leaning into me or leaning on me. Um, when I'm on top, it's easier to control. But, I mean, if you think about it biologically, like, you're already hoisting yourself up. So your muscles are already going to be... Um, tight? Not tight. They're going to be engaged. Your yeah. core muscles, your, che- your cheek, your butts, your glutes. Um, <laughs> so you're already tightening even when you're not engaging any other muscles. So being on top puts you in more control. But it also makes it harder because you can't just let yourself loose because you also can't flop on top of him. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so if we do try, but that's what we do try um, anytime. And actually, we have tried this a couple times. It's a little tricky, but it's the most comfortable, I think. Um, we've both tried laying on our sides um, and kind of having it go that way. And the own sex, it's not even, a, I don't even, I don't even know if I call this a sex toy, um, a little sex helper. Uh, it definitely helps with being able to, um, control it's personally for us it's controlled how fast or slow we go um how fast or slow we move and obviously how far he can go in um i have been successful before about getting it like halfway in um but that's with me still kind of holding the base okay (laughs) and you know so i don't think there's like a position that works like better or not better um it's more of just like and obviously that's you know uh specific to each person um and anything else like oral stimulation, uh, I don't like 69 because I can't, like, see him. And maybe that's just a me thing. Um, he loves it, but I, <laughs> but I can't, like, you know. But for myself, it's just, like, I'm not pay- I have to be paying attention to what's going on down there for me. Yeah. I can't just, like, let it happen while I do something else. So I don't know if that's related to vaginismus. Maybe it's related to anxiety, both. Maybe that's related to neither, and that's just how I feel. Um, but for oral, I always prefer it if like, you know, we're facing up, we're both facing upright and he just moves down my body. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, now that you asked that, I don't think I've ever paid attention to, to what my pelvic floor is doing when we're doing oral. So I'll keep that in mind next time. There you go. For sure. And think of us and our faces. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) I will. There we go. You'll be like those bitches. Look what they did to me. Um, so explain to us this sex toy, because we talked about it a little bit before, but we weren't recording. So if you just want to explain what it is and how it works and how it's um, helped you. Oh, also, sure. um, any other sex toys that you're, like, obsessed with right now? So basically, anything sex toys that work with well for you, basically. So, <laughs> okay, I have a 
that was a quick story about sex toys. Uh, the first time I was ever in a sex shop was about a year ago. And I get, I laugh when I'm nervous and when bad things happen, I don't know why. Like, nothing is funny. It's just like, before I'm about to cry, I giggle. I don't know why I do that. I really, and I hate it. It's so, it's very misleading. Um, but my <laughs> friend, um, who's awesome, and she's been very supportive in this too, and she has a very, um, she, like, her lifestyle, per se, like, and I'm not shaming her. I admire her for this. She doesn't like to have a committed partner. Um, she doesn't, like, like to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. She just likes to go out, have fun, and have sex with whoever is up for it, you know? So she's very, she loves to put herself out there, and I think that's great. Her confidence is so amazing and so attractive. And so she was like, oh, just come to a sex shop with me. And I was like, what, you want me to what? And, um... So we went and we walked in and I just, I was trying to, the whole time I was trying so hard not to laugh. Um, we were in there for about two hours because I was just like, oh my God, there's a way it looks like a penis, but it's not actually a penis. Like I was so scared. <laughs> or like you see all these like really hardcore, like nipple clamp things. And I'm like, ah, like, again, I'm not shaming anybody. Like do you, but it freaks me the fuck out. Um, so we're walking around and she would do this thing where we would go into like, you know, sections, just like a regular department store, which I find funny. Um, but we would go into like different sections. And when I wasn't paying attention, she would just walk the other way and like leave me standing there. And I would turn around and be like, where'd you go? Where'd you go? <laughs> and so she was trying to help me find a vibrator, um, which I apparently there's a lot. And I don't know if this is the only one that I have, this little silver guy. I don't know. I threw away the box packaging. Looks like a um, bullet vibe, mm-hmm. like a small, like bullet vibe. Yep. Small, I don't put it. Oh, wow. Even think I felt, see, my muscles are going. Even thinking <laughs> opening inside of me, my body's like, fuck that. No. Um, oh, God, I turned it on. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't put it inside you, but you can use it um, external. Outside. Yeah. yeah, it's an external thing that I can do. Wow, I hate this. Hold on. <laughs> it's okay. It's like going off. You're like, help. help. Press and hold. Press and oh, hold. You hold there it. you go. Yeah. I don't, see, I don't even use it that much. I didn't even know how to turn it off. You have to hold the button down mm-hmm. to turn it yeah. off. Whatever. Um. I know that there's also, so this is, I mean, I'm not really obsessed with sex toys because I don't enjoy sex in general, like, but, like, I just don't get horny, like, ever, except, like, once a month because of my period, so, um, and what I do is very spur of the moment, and I kind of just do nothing about it, and I don't know if that has to do with, um, the fact that I haven't processed a lot of my trauma yet or anything, so I don't have any sex toys that I'm, you know, super crazy about, that I'm super into, I appreciate this one a lot just because, like, it adheres to my needs. Um, there's different... I, this is funny. I don't know why I'm giggling. This is just funny. Like, sex is so weird. It's just mushy parts. And so, like, this... <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, this little vibrator guy, like, it, like, you can do, like, different vibration settings. And I like, like that. Was the simplest one because the rest of them are too confusing. And I don't, just don't like it. I um, feel that, though, because, like, for me personally, just to kind of, like, validate you, because, like, I can't do a lot of, like, the like the heavy vibration. Like, I, I like mm-mm. it when my teeth chatter. Like, she loves so hard. it. I'm like, ah! I hate it. Like, to me, like, I do, like, like a little buzz, little vibe. That's great. If it can, like, maybe, like, change up a little bit. If my clit looks like it's going to fall off, I've done a good job. See? And then for me, I'm like, if I do it too high, I'm like, oh, fuck, no. Like, get nah, out of here. Nah, right? nah, so, nah. Yeah. I, like, need my so, teeth chattering. And then the other toy or contraption, I'd rather, I think contraption is a more fitting word. It's called the O-Nut, but this is not sponsored. And it's <laughs> called the O-Nut. 
Um, it's called the O-Nut, and they are these silicone rings, and they're stackable, and when you order them, they come in, uh, there's like four, um, and because they're silicone, they like, they, they're really soft rubbery, right, so they kind of stick together, and they go on the base of the penis, and it's to control um, how much penetration goes in without the guy, like, needing to put in that much effort to only, okay, I can only get like a couple inches in or something like that. Um, it comes in this really cute little box with self affirmation stickers and I have them hanging on my mirror. And, um, the, I think the girl's name is Emily who, who owns like the website and the company and she's really, really nice. And they have their own Instagram page and they have two colors. And my favorite is the aquamarine. So (laughs) love it. Um, And is that, um, made for people with vaginismus or is it just for people? I don't know. Sometimes I wonder like, because I, you know, bodies are weird and bodies are different and like, Maybe, you know, your vagina, your vaginal canal is only so deep, um, and a guy might be 9, 10, 12 inches long, and, like, you know, know, it's a hole, so, like, it keeps going, so, like, maybe you need something to stop it. Okay, Ritz, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's certainly very helpful for people with vaginismus, and maybe there's other conditions that, um, that I don't know about, or that I don't know enough or that I do know of, but not enough about that it might help with. But, you know, it definitely helps vagin- people who deal with vaginismus because this is a great tool if you're getting used to it. Because dilators, not only do dilators, um, at least the ones that I've seen, there are dilators that have different circumferences, different girths or whatever. And then there's some that are different sizes. And I've seen, I can't believe women can handle this. I can't imagine myself handling this. They're like these really long, snaky ones. Ah, it freaks me out. Like, it's so bizarre. Like, what? But, um... Yeah, so I definitely think that these, I don't know if it was made because she has vaginismus or for people with vaginismus, or maybe that's just something she doesn't want to disclose. I don't know. Um, but it helps. It's just to control depth of penetration. Okay, very cool. So I think that we, we need to kind of your opinion on this. Is there a way to cure this? Is there anything that helps? Creams, lubes? Medication. Um, medication, counsel, like what, what makes this better for people in your opinion so far, what, from what you've learned and what you've experienced yourself? Um, counseling would be the first and foremost thing that I always think helps everybody. Um, because having someone to talk about this with, you're never going to get anywhere unless you accept where you're at now. Um, but there are, like I've been saying, like there's dilators, consistency, patience with yourself, but I think, you know, reminding yourself that those things are okay and that you don't have to get dilators. You can go to pelvic floor therapy, which is absolutely an option. And I'm actually trying to work on um, a collaboration with multiple uh, physical floor, pelvic floor physical therapists about their opinions on all this. There's different types of physical floor therapy, too, because different pelvic disorders need different methods of help uh you know for someone and i was looking into this because i do want to try pelvic floor uh physical therapy and they're not gonna say okay put this thing inside of you now like because they know how intimate this is like they're not doctors who say okay this is a broken bone and this is a surgery we need to fix it like this is not structural this is not a pyramid where you take one step up and you go this is a very very big wave um and so I know that physical therapy is, is, is an option um, out there if that's affordable or accessible to people. Um, I really, really genuinely think, and I don't know how true this is because it's never been tested, but I very much think that crushing the stigma against it is also the biggest thing we can do. Absolutely. Just talk about it. You know, and that doesn't necessarily mean walk around with a sign on your forehead that says, ask me about my vagina. I just kind of feel like it sucks that this also just might be something that we're stuck in until a lot can can happen with 
accepting sexuality and accepting, you know, women more in general, um, and not feeling like we have to be hush hush about these things. Um, because I think that's part of it. I think people aren't going to want to ask for help because it's weird. And for those of you who can't see me, I'm putting quotation marks around. (laughs) It's weird because it's not weird. It's just happens. It's just something we deal with. My friend wanted me to ask you like one question in particular. Um, and I, I feel like I can't round this out without doing this for her. So, um, (laughs) She was saying, like, because with a lot of her experiences and whatnot, she'll use, like, a calming agent. Like, um, she'll have, like, a drink or she'll have, like, um, take, like, some anti-anxiety medication or she'll do, um, like, basically, not necessarily be under the influence, but then she wanted, but, like... She'll smoke weed. Yeah, or be, like, super, like, kind of, like, calm, spaced out, whatever, because she feels like that puts her in a better mind frame in order to have penetrative sex. But then she was also saying that uh, some of her partners in the past have been like, well, I feel like this is non-consensual now because you are so, like, in this, like, state, right? So what is your opinion on using, like, a calming agent or drinking or, like, smoking, like, weed or whatever, like, something that kind of gets you, like, super, like, zen or zoned out before having, like, a sexual play? So, and this is not... Because you, you wouldn't be able to know this. That's actually, uh, going back to the myths and misconceptions, one of the biggest things that people with vaginismus get, their response is, oh, just have a drink. Oh, just take a hit. And it's like, no, that's not going to do anything. So, you know, um, that, in my opinion, in my experience, has nothing to do with it. Okay. Um, a calming agent won't do anything because you're not, you're not even controlling it. Okay. Um, it's so deep in your subconscious. In my experience, it's so deep in your subconscious that that's not going to do anything. And part of me also does agree, like, that, well, my boy, I know my boyfriend agrees, like, if I'm high or if I'm tipsy, if I'm drunk, like, we are not doing anything. And I'm okay with that because, like, I don't really, I don't care. Um, you know, if I need to, I'll do it myself. So, like, I just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I don't think that that helps. I also think that's more avoided because then you get dependent on having a drink. You get dependent on smoking. You get dependent on putting on your oil diffuser. And then it becomes, you know, not an addiction, just a dependency. I also think that it masks the issue and I think it's a harmful habit to get into. My, you know, my point is like, I don't think calming agents are in your favor in this circumstance. Um, I think once you talk it through with a therapist, once you talk it through with a partner, with your friends, with yourself, like that's the calming agent. Like you need to get to the center of it and doing something to you're, you're, you're jaywalking instead of using the crosswalk. Um, I love that analogy. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's really good. Thanks. Okay, now um, there we go. Questions out of the way. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So I just wanted to know the platform a little bit about the platform you've created, what your Instagram is all about, what your, your podcast is about. Shout yourself out. Shout Where can yourself people find out. you? <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, you know, or like I've mentioned, I didn't even think I would start to have much of a following. I was like, Oh, it's just going to like be a few people. And I, you know, I checked my follower count. It's a little over 400 now. And I was like, holy shit. Like I was so happy. And I was so thankful that like I have people who, who want to visit my page and want to listen to my episodes. I made this just because it's not talked about ever. And there's a lot of, like I said, desperunia is an umbrella term for a lot of other sexual disorders. And 
I think that we shouldn't just use Desperunia. I think we should specify endometriosis, but a lot of people know endometriosis and not very many people know about vaginismus. And so I was like, well, I want to make a page where people know about it because we should talk about these things and I don't fucking care if it makes anyone uncomfortable. Um, Because it's not, it shouldn't be uncomfortable. And I like that I have people on my page who feel welcome and who feel comfortable asking me questions. Um, You know, I want everybody to share their experiences. And so I'm also trying, shameless plug, if you want to send me an email with your story, I'm trying to put together an episode of of anonymous stories so we can all understand like, hey, like everybody goes through it in their own way. And we're all, this is is just a thing that happens. And this is something that we can kind of work through together and alongside each other, even though it's a very private, individual, intimate thing. And I think that's something that I wanted to break is like, well, this is something that you can't solve with anybody but yourself. But that doesn't mean you have to do it by yourself. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Um, so my podcast is called Stuck Not Stopped, but everybody seems to know it as Vaginismus Podcast. So I've kind of been debating on just calling it Vaginismus Talks or Vaginismus Podcast and having the slogan be that instead. Um, and I genuinely, I thought of it when I was brushing my teeth. Like I was <laughs> like, I should do this. And the next day I spent five hours making a Squarespace a YouTube account. I already decided I was going to be anonymous. My boyfriend was like, I don't care as long as you know, you're anonymous. And I was like, great. Um, made a separate email, made a separate, uh, Facebook page for it. Like I, like everything is all set up. And I was like, all right, my motivation has officially filtered out. And I bet this is going to die off in two weeks. And then it just didn't. And I was like, wow, people are actually like asking me to talk about different things. I guess I'll keep doing it. Love that. Um, which was really, really flattering and really cool. And, um, you know, I don't really know how else to grow, but when, you know, people reach out to me like you guys, I was like, oh my God, they found me. This is awesome. Like, <laughs> like it's so exciting and it's so fun and it's, you know. Yeah, you've created a platform, which is really, really cool. And a safe space. Yes. I, I yeah, that. that's a big thing for me is it's, I want people to know that it's safe and that I will always respect people who want to be anonymous, which is why the episode I'm trying to put together, like, you don't have to put your name. Your set, your story could be two sentences or it could be five pages. I don't care. Love that. I want people to know that they're safe because, again, privacy um, and shame are different. Like, you know, if you're keeping this private because this is your, you know, this is your business and this is that's your boundary, great. But if you're keeping it private because you're shameful, I want to help that. Like, I don't want people to feel shame because of this, you know? Absolutely. So what is your current podcast called right now? So if someone wanted to find you right now, how would they find you? On Instagram, it's vaginismus underscore podcast. And on YouTube, it's called It's Stuck Not Stopped. Um, and because I talk about primarily vaginismus, I'm inclusive to all kinds of um, sex things and disorders. But, you know, because vaginismus is very niche and very hush-hushed, um, I like to primarily focus on that. Um, but I also like to be educated and aware of other disorders such as vulvodynia or clitorodynia or whatever it might be. Um, so on YouTube, it's stuff not stopped, but I tried searching it up from a friend's phone and I didn't pop up phone and I didn't pop up. People are going to kind of, I'm not really aiming to like advertise it either. People are going to stumble across it or they won't like whatever. Um, so that's how people can find me is in different bit of different names, but because I'm not so widely known yet, I have been debating on changing the YouTube name platform just because like no one's gonna like when you think vaginismus you're not gonna type in a slogan you're gonna type in vaginismus so like i've been thinking about changing it um to that too uh just because it'd be easier to find so yeah (laughs) okay well i'm so glad that you've shouted out where people can find you and i'm sure that or at least i hope 
that a lot of the people who are listening are going to go and love all of your stuff. Follow and you. Follow you and you. show you. <laughs> show you all, all the love. love you deserve. It's true. Thank you. <laughs> it's true. Alrighty, Nick. So I want to thank you so much for coming on our podcast and for talking and being so open and honest and awesome. This thank was you. great. It was amazing. It was amazing. You're yeah. my shining star in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> you have, you have a, a fans in, you in do. Canada. You do. <laughs> Alrighty, so... So you can find us on Instagram at La Petite Mort Pod. You can also find us on um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, CastBox, um, all those fun things at La Petite Mort Pod. Um, you can also email us any fun stories or whatnot to lapetitemortpod at gmail.com. We are trying to put together a listener episode within the next few months. And until next time, when in doubt, lube it out and write a will. <laughs>